Welcome to the Talks on Law California MCLE podcast, interviews with leading attorneys, professors, and judges on important and thought-provoking legal topics. And now for the interview. Modern lawyers, like many professionals, often see their careers take them through many jobs at many companies. But how does the change from firm to firm affect the magic that's the attorney-client relationship? Hello and welcome to Talks on Law. I'm Joel Cohen. Today our guest is Sarah McShay, an expert on legal ethics who has served as a disciplinary prosecutor, a criminal prosecutor, and advises lawyers on these very issues. Sarah, welcome to Talks on Law. Thank you very much, Joel. A fundamental question to start with. What does it matter? When a lawyer changes firms, how's that different from any other professional? When a lawyer changes firms, first, there are the things that have to be done before the lawyer moves. There are the things that happen during the move, and there are the things that happen once the lawyer is in place in a new position. And since there are all kinds of moves that are possible for lawyers, the details of these different stages matter for the lawyer, for the lawyer's old firm and new firm, old firm and new government office, or vice versa, and for the lawyer's clients in the lawyer's prior position and position to be. So when a lawyer switches firms, they have to make important decisions on relating to their clients before they do it, concurrently and after. Why don't we talk about it in that order? What are the important issues involving a lateral move before the lawyer leaves their firm? So it depends very much upon what level lawyer we're talking about. If a lawyer is a junior lawyer switching firms, um, moving, let's say, from a big firm to another big firm, one mega firm to another, um, the lawyer may not have had much actual client contact, may not have had uh, clients who consider that lawyer to be the client's personal lawyer at the firm. And the issues will be simpler because the new firm that the lawyer would like to go to wants to know that if the lawyer comes to them, the lawyer's not bringing conflicts with him or her. So in that case, if you're a junior lawyer, perhaps a, a new associate fresh mm-hmm. out of law school, it may be that your client doesn't even know you exist, or perhaps you've right. only been in a back room doing due diligence right. or, or some type of doc review. In that case, we'd be simply looking for conflicts, making sure that you're not bringing special information to a new law firm that may represent adverse parties. And by special information, in this context, we mean confidential client information so that if, as a junior associate, let's say, you worked on on a huge transaction, perhaps it was a a merger, all confidential, you couldn't even tell your friends about that you were working on it, then the fact that you worked on that means you probably got, in the course of your work, some client confidential information. And in fact, in that context, the whole existence of your project, your work for that client on a proposed merger or acquisition, is all confidential. So ostensibly, in that type of situation, and we'll talk about more what happens after the transfer from one employer to another, but it could be that in the new firm, if your new boss asks, well, did 
Microsoft buy any of these companies or attempt to buy any of these companies, you might not be able to answer if you have special information. Right. And you would also have to guard against giving away the answer by facial expression. So, and what's more, if you had worked on such a proposed transaction, you would bring that conflict with you to your new firm. And so is the sort of thing that could easily come up, surprise the firm unpleasantly, conceivably conflict them out of a representation if they hadn't taken steps to screen you, screen themselves from you and your information. They might not have taken you at all if you were a junior person. Had they known that about this conflict or potential conflict. Let's talk about that a little bit more after we, when we're discussing the post. So related to this issue, Joel, though, is how do you check for conflicts? Because you're not going to be able to move to another firm unless you're not bringing conflicts with you. Or if you are bringing conflicts, unless those conflicting representations, past representations, can be screened off so that they don't taint other people, other lawyers, in your the firm you'd like to join. It's not good if, you, if these conflicts are discovered only after you've moved. It may the limit the ability for the new firm to use you. It may limit right, right. your ability to effectively grow within that firm. It may limit your tenure at that firm as well. You may not be staying long if this is the sort of thing that should have come, been disclosed or discovered before you made the move so that it could be handled properly. And they might not have invited you to come if it was a serious enough issue. So the problem then is how do you do an effective conflicts check before the move is made? Because think about this. Your information about your existing clients at your original firm is confidential, with some limitations, but by and large confidential. Therefore, you can't disclose it willy-nilly to the New York Times, to the person on the street, or to the firm you'd like to join without what? Well, probably not without client consent. So the conflicts check is it, it, it can be a very difficult thing to do. Now. In some jurisdictions, not in New York, however, in some jurisdictions, lawyers are permitted to make limited disclosures of client confidential information for the purpose of seeing if there are conflicts in a proposed lateral move from one firm to another. That varies state by state. That varies state by state. It's in the ABA model rules as a, as a model rule that should be permitted. Some states have adopted it, some have not. In any event, it's certainly better practice, even if you're permitted to make the disclosures, to make them in a very limited fashion because you haven't been able to get client consent because you haven't had that conversation with a client yet. You can't, and we'll come to that, but also, Uh, You don't want to give away more information than you need to until it's clear that that information is not going to harm a client, that the move is going to happen. And so the disclosures of client information, namely client identity, the nature of the matter that you worked on for the client or are working on for the client, has to be done very carefully uh, with a great deal of thought and sometimes can't frankly be done at all in that fashion. That's so tricky because <laughs> if you can't disclose it, right. it's got to be quite difficult for the new firm to decide whether or not there's a major conflict. 
Yes, it is. So there are very, a variety of ways of dealing with this in firm. Sometimes a firm will designate one person in the firm. This is the firm the lawyer wants to move to. So one person in the, in the new firm will be designated as the, the sort of the conflict checker for the firm. And often the parties will enter into even a written agreement that provides that that lawyer will not disclose any of the information that lawyer receives to anyone else in the firm. Um, that lawyer will be screened off. The information won't go on the on the firm's uh, master Is computer system. Is there an attorney-client relationship between that lawyer and the potential lateral? No, absolutely not. That lawyer is clearly a partner in the new firm, and but, but is receiving information from the would-be lateral lawyer that pertains to confidential information held by another firm as to other clients who don't have any attorney-client relationship with the new firm. However, you want to see if the lawyer can move, so therefore you need a way of checking uh, carefully. Uh, in case it doesn't work out, you, that information is going to get shredded, not preserved. The actual serious confidences won't get disclosed in this process. Uh, you'll get a series of alerts along the way. And the, there will be some matters that everybody will acknowledge can't be disclosed even in that process. Now, sometimes in rare occasions, the firm will hire an outside conflicts checker, an ethicist. Someone like yourself. Right. But an outsider to the whole process, not involved in either firm, having no relationships with any of the clients, who will basically match up client lists to see if, there's, if there are conflicts along the way. Sort of like a reverse matchmaker. Yes. Instead of counting the qualities that you may share, you're looking for issues that may right. present a problem. Why don't we talk about lawyers a little bit more senior? We were talking first about relatively new associates. When you get to the senior associate level and certainly at the partnership level, the lawyers are having a great deal more to do with the clients themselves and may even be thinking about bringing some clients with them. Absolutely, because in lateral moves, moving with what's called a book of business, a roster of clients who are expected to come with you and generate revenues for the new firm, will often dictate where you get offers, from what firms you get offers, what those offers consist of, how highly you're going to get compensated, what level you're going in at. So it's advantageous for the moving lawyer to be able to say to prospective new firms, yes, I have a million dollar, $5 million, $50 million book of business. Those are the anticipated revenues I'll bring with me if I come to you. Now, how can you say that if you can't ask the, your clients in advance if they'll come with you? And you can't ask because there, there may be a question of duty of fiduciary duty that you have to your existing employer. Absolutely, Joel. I mean, it's a critical fiduciary duty, actually, a duty of loyalty and good faith that you have to your existing firm. By the way, I say that you have that duty even if you feel that your existing firm or your present firm has been treating you badly. <laughs> <laughs> so as long as you're there, then you have that, that duty of, of insufficiency, duty of, of loyalty, good faith, fair dealing. So you can't go and cherry pick clients in, in advance before making the move, before 
you can do it before you make the move. You can't do it before you tell the firm that you're leaving. So how do you know? Uh, well, in many cases, in fact, lawyers do know the kind of relationship they have with their clients, often long-term clients, on, that are, on matters that are important to the clients. And you can judge whether a client is going to come, come with you. And remember, the moving lawyer is often picking the new firm on the basis of not only what the, the lawyer's position in that firm will be and how highly compensated the lawyer will be, but, but how, how effectively can the new firm service the lawyer's clients? So a lawyer may be actually thinking of lateraling or moving to a new firm in order to benefit those clients. Yes. Some lawyers are, in, in their present firms, frustrated by the firm's lack of expertise or talent in specific fields that clients need, and therefore a new firm may present a more attractive picture for so the client. This raises another important question. When a lawyer is thinking of leaving or shifting mm -hmm. firms, they may be wondering what can they take with them and what has to remain with their old firm. Right. So can you store up at home? Can you, can you come in with a flash drive or a hard drive one day and just download your files from your present firm? Everything you've worked on. Everything you've worked on. Well, if you do, I think you'll find yourself in a pickle very quickly because your firm probably has an IT department and that IT department actually can monitor what lawyers copy and take. So very literally, that may be raising red flags at yeah. their existing firm. Yes, it will raise red flags. It's also the wrong thing to do and can get you in a, in a pile of trouble if you do it. Uh, lawyers are entitled to have client contact information. When you can use that will depend on, on what your circumstances are that you can preserve. Um, but remember that the work you've done at your present firm is the firm's work product, not your personal work product. So I was an M&A lawyer for years. My skill set is largely related to the, the documents that I was able to produce over that period of time. Right. I might not be able to bring them with me. Not on your own. Often your firm, if it's a harmonious move and they like you um, or have respect for you, they will, if, if you ask them, they will say yes to certain things, maybe not to everything. So it's much more <laughs> tricky than it, than it seems. It's not... I'm leaving firms, I'm just going to take all my binders and all my deal documents, send them to my new office. Right. It's not. And of course, lawyers are worried about having access to their past work because we all rely on our past work for, for serving our existing clients, serving future clients, and we'd like to have that available when we need it. And there are proper ways to go about getting it, but self-help is not one of them. There are limitations in the files that I can take with me as I shift firms. What are the consequences if I don't tow that line, if I simply take the files, some of which were not meant to be taken? Well, the consequences can be awful. From real life situations, um, let's say you start downloading one evening or one weekend onto the hard drive. Um, and the IT department discovers it on Monday morning or the next morning and alerts people in the firm, you're likely to get a visit from a partner, perhaps accompanied by um, somebody in law enforcement, 
perhaps not, with a demand for your immediate departure, as well as what you copied, and that will only be the beginning of the problem, okay? Because the firm will have had policies uh, against lawyers in the firm making private copies of things that are on the firm's computer servers, and you violated that policy. They, they know you've downloaded documents that weren't yours. They belong to the firm, perhaps to clients or both. And so you've now stolen from the firm. It's a serious criminal matter on both the state and potentially the federal level. Firms take this very seriously since they're responsible for maintaining the confidentiality of the client information. And, and they have a great professional interest as well in not being the, the victims of a theft. So like, we're not even talking about disciplinary. We're uh, talking about straight criminal. Straight criminal is obviously the most serious thing, uh, issue or, or charge a lawyer could face. And it's not an unlikely or far-fetched scenario, I will tell you. Now, firms don't want often the publicity of being involved, as, even as victim of something like that. But they have a, a very serious duty to enforce the, those rules, and they take it very seriously. No firm will tolerate this if it's as to client information and downloading stuff from the, from the firm servers. How about the lawyer who, in the course of his career at that firm, brought work home, downloaded work onto their computer, and then perhaps after lateraling or after mm -hmm. shifting to a new firm, realized that they hadn't destroyed it or hadn't turned it back in. What obligations do they have? Well, they're actually serious obligations for a number of reasons. And I have a feeling that a lot of this may be observed in, in the breach or may have been observed in the breach, but that's changing. Because we do, as lawyers, we take work home all, all the time. We put it on our laptops, we travel with our laptops, and we don't delete it. The old firm would be very unhappy to hear that we still had it as the moving lawyer. And the clients, unless they remain the moving lawyer's clients, would also be very unhappy to hear that, the, that their, their information is no longer under lock and key, electronically safeguarded in their present firm's files and, and, and records. So the lawyer who discovers that he or she has this, the moving lawyer, has to return it. Destroying it isn't enough? You couldn't hit delete and empty the trash? Yeah, delete and empty the trash means it's still there. You, you, you just can't see it. Other, uh, you know, forensic person could, uh, probably your teenage child could, but... You just gave a, a number of different examples. One, where the departing lawyer may, in a sense, be significantly damaging the firm that he's leaving by leaving. Another example that you alluded to would be, let's say the lawyer is kind of to use a, a sports analogy, switching sides. Mm -hmm. So if you are working for a big firm that generally defends Fortune 500, Fortune 100 clients, and you're switching to a plaintiff's firm, this may be the, the type of lateral move that would make your, your bosses or your partners particularly nervous. Well, going back to what we were talking about in the beginning, it's gonna make the conflicts check very hard. And that's, that's often a very difficult thing to do because now you will be effective, if you were to switch from defense to plaintiff's side, you'd be effectively suing, in many cases, or wanting to sue your former clients. Uh, that's not going to happen. That sort of thing 
can happen, may happen, if screens are put in place on a timely basis and both firms are, are comfortable with the move and, and the move that the lawyer is making. When we're talking about screens or ethical walls, what exactly are we dealing with? Is this preventing a lawyer from accessing certain documents or preventing a lawyer from being a part of certain cases? Yes. We're, we're basically putting the lawyer in a, in a kind of um, isolation ward within the firm. Now, obviously, the lawyer doesn't have to come to work in, 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 in a head-to-toe white bubble. suit, a bubble, <laughs> um, or, and the lawyer's office is, is not enclosed, encased in plastic or anything like that. But what we mean is that we don't want the lawyer who has information about a, a matter to be talking about that information to lawyers on the other side whether it's a transactional matter or litigation, because even though everybody's determined not to actually disclose anything, overwhelmingly lawyers intend to do the right thing in this area. They're not intending to disclose confidential client information. They're not trying to do that. So, but inadvertently, we give things away with our body language, with our expressions, and the screen or even refusing to answer a particular question in a certain way may answer that question. Exactly. We don't want the moving lawyer to share in the fees that the new firm is receiving from the matter because the lawyer couldn't be retained to, to handle that matter now on the other side, and therefore the lawyer, lawyers coming in at the partner level shouldn't be participating in the profits. In big firms, it, this is not obviously a lot of money, doesn't much matter, it's a bookkeeping accounting department issue. We don't want um, the lawyer to, to be the recipient of uh, emails within the firm. We don't want the lawyer to have access to the, the, the client files on the, on the firm's computer servers? Well, for large, sophisticated firms, the hardware and the software that are involved in creating this type of ethical wall may already be in place. But for a smaller firm, you could imagine this could entail a great deal of cost. And I think courts and, and jurisdictions are cognizant of, of that. It's very hard, in many cases, in a small firm to create an effective screen. And therefore, screening in serious cases in small firms is, without client consent, often not permitted. In, in New York, we like to say that we screen when it doesn't matter. Otherwise, we, we ban the, the, the move. Maybe we can talk a little bit about the actual rule. And in this case, what we're talking about is conflicts. And the conflict applies not to the lawyer, but to the entire firm. Right, by, by imputation, so that if one lawyer in a firm has a conflict, that conflict is imputed to everybody else in the firm. When the lawyer switches firms, then the lawyer's prior representation of clients at the old firm moves with the lawyer to the new firm, and now the lawyer's former clients become the new firm's former clients by imputation, potentially. And that's something the new firm would certainly like to avoid as much as possible. All right, let's take a quick break for our California MCLE members, listeners. The code is 103116. Again, that's 103116. 
And now back to the interview. This may require a more sophisticated ability to to do math problems than I can handle, but <laughs> what I'm imagining is you have a firm, you have a, a lawyer with certain conflicts who goes to firm A. Now firm A has those conflicts. Then he goes to firm B. Now firm B has those conflicts. How about back to firm A? Do they now have a release from the, the conflicts that were associated with that lawyer who's now left? Well, no, because when the client started out, perhaps with the lawyer at firm A, that client was a client not just of the lawyer, but of the entire firm. So you have all the things that you have to do for former clients, protect their information, uh, not engage in uh, matters, representations against them that are substantially related to the matter for which they had hired you, the law, law firm A, and so on and so forth. So the hiring of a, a senior lawyer or partner can be a lot more complicated than how qualified they are and what business they may be bringing. It may be also doing math of what business do they preclude us from, from, from taking on. Precisely. And, and you can imagine the magnitude of the potential problems that happen when it's not just one lawyer moving firms, but rather when, let's say, two firms are merging. Nobody's leaving. Everybody's joining bringing everything with them, all their past representations, their current representations, their longtime clients, some of whom, maybe not now, but perhaps in the future, will be adverse to each other. Which may mean that those lawyers have to drop that representation and that could cause problems. It will mean that one of those lawyers is not going to have new business. So picture two firms, two big firms, two sizable firms merging. So they each have their, their rosters of clients. They can check for existing conflicts between those clients and deal with them. Let, let's assume they can deal with them. What they can't always anticipate, except as in, in moments of dread, is the situation where a major client of one of the firms becomes, down the road, adverse to the major client of the other firm. Now, now they're all one firm, but now two of their current clients are want to sue each other on a new matter. So one, one firm represented Apple, one firm represented Samsung. Now all of a sudden you have Apple suing Samsung or vice versa, and it's a nightmare because you're going to have to drop a major client. So yes, exactly. One of, one of those clients is going to be disappointed. It's not going to be able to have the long-time counsel of its choice represented in this very important matter. This seems to create a strong incentive, both to remain at your existing firm, or if you do plan on leaving and you're at a high level, let's say partnership level, to make sure that you're leaving on terms where your partners aren't gonna fight you. Well, certainly for the latter point of maintaining um, professional, harmonious relationships with, with whatever firm you're at, that's always a good idea. Um, it helps in so many ways, not, not just if you're moving, but certainly if, you, if you're moving and after you've moved. In terms of remaining at your current firm because you don't want to inherit conflicts or, or, or run afoul of them in the future, I think it's virtually impossible these days in the profession. The fact of the matter is lawyers move. 
clients are moving, clients no longer remain with the same firm for life always. Lawyers move, firms dissolve, firms merge, and I think that professional movement is just the name of the game these days, and we need to devise almost protocols within the rules to make this workable for as many of the participants as possible. Let me ask you a different question. When you're switching firms, if you as a third party are, are, are watching the process, what are the nightmare scenarios? What are the biggest mistakes that you see lawyers making or hopefully avoiding? I see several kinds of mistakes. I see premature disclosure of client confidential information and old firm proprietary information in an effort to firm up a new affiliation, uh, to firm up a, a, a lateral So to market move. yourself, you're saying, look, yeah. I advised on this, I have this client's book of business on these matters, right. and we're gonna do something big, and I'm gonna bring them with you. And I'm bringing X number of clients who pay their bills on time, and they're, they, they all pay within 30 days, they pay within 60 or 90 days, but they pay. And I'm bringing associates who are paid the fall, who ha have X number of years at bar admission, who have the following subspecialties, and are compensated at the following rates, where lawyers have asked the clients before telling the firm, ask the clients if the clients will follow the lawyer to the new firm. That Are, is there a special magic to that? Is there a way to kind of get around the, the duty by perhaps asking in a, in a less direct way, like, if I were to leave the firm, would you guys come with me? I think the answer is, unfortunately, that lawyerly, it depends. There are ways and there are circumstances where this can be a permitted thing. There are some client matters that are at such a, um, I would say, a delicate stage where the client's comfort level is going to be absolutely key. Things are moving fast. Uh, you don't want to leave the client hanging. You're departure for the new firm is imminent, at least you hope it is. You may want to give them as much heads up yeah. as possible. Right, because after all, there's a competing fiduciary duty that you have to your existing clients, a duty to communicate. You can't take that, however, as a sort of carte blanche to go and ask all your current cl clients under the guise of communicating with them, hey, would you come with me if I left? But there are... It's not an, 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 an ironclad rule that you can never tell a client before you've told your present firm that you're leaving. After you've told your present firm that you're leaving, you can tell all the clients you want. But there's a special way you have to tell them. Yes, yes. I mean, you can't disparage your, the old firm, uh, whether you're there or not. Whether, if you're there, you absolutely can't do it. And if you're not, it's really unprofessional. And it, there's a a preference for the, the departing lawyer and the old firm to make joint announcements where possible. That's not always feasible for a variety of reasons, but it's sort of the professional thing to do when it can be done. And the other thing is, is, is recruiting internal talent in your existing firm that you want to take with you. That, that gets very tricky too. So I know I'm leaving. 
but I'd also like to bring my two favorite senior associates and maybe one or two juniors as well. Yeah, and you can't make offers, you can't actually um, have those conversations about their availability until you've told the, the firm itself that you're leaving. Now, the fear is, and it's founded in, in some cases, is that once you tell the firm, they'll say, ah, okay, you're not leaving in two weeks, you're not even leaving in 30 days, you're leaving instantly with this, and you're, you're not taking anything out of your desk. And these you, two gentlemen will walk, walk you out walk the, door. You the door. For more legal explainers and interviews with the titans of law, visit TalksOnLaw.com. If you're earning MCLE for this interview, you can enter your confirmation code at TalksOnLaw.com slash podcast to get your certificate. Join us again soon for more cutting-edge interviews on the California MCLE podcast.